Our high-stakes drafters selecting Dion Lewis too high right now. What is the best fantasy landing spot for Jarvis Landry, and will the 2017 QB4 actually be under-drafted this year? Plus 2017 FPC $30,000 runner-up Dwayne McFarland rejoins the program to talk about his third top five overall finish in the contest, whether Deontay Foreman is ready to be the man in Houston, and much more. We've got a great show for you. Dave Gerzak is here. I'm Eric Balkman. Stick around. Your high-stakes fantasy football hour starts now. What more can I say? We top billing it. Stallion without billing it. Viciously found victory. Burnt towns and villages. Burning, looting, and pillaging. Murderers try to hurt us. We curse them and all that killing. I just want the bread and bologna bundles to talk away. I don't work for I am barely giving up the way. Hotel begging Johnny and mommy to get the away. Hey, yo, here's a gun, son. Now run, get it to gut away. Live to shoot another day. Broadcast live and heard around the world. You are now listening to the most entertaining hour of radio on the planet. It's the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com with your hosts, Eric Balkman and Dave Gerzak. The High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour is your home for football analysis from the best fantasy players in the world. And now, because no one else was available, here are Eric Balkman and Dave Gerzak. Thanks a lot, Rob. Greetings and salutations, all you Balkaholics and Gerzakanatics. Welcome to the latest episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com. I'm your slightly above average host, Eric Balkman, and my co-host is, of course, the patron saint of fantasy football, the Dizzle, Dave Gerzak. Coming up on tonight's show, should you be buying on Martavis Bryant in Dynasty right now? And we take a look at how the quarterbacks finished in 2017. Plus... Dwayne McFarland, the former guest of the show, drops in again to discuss how frequently he varies his draft strategy, the impact that John Gruden will have on the Raiders this season, and a lot more stuff we will get to. Shout out to the chat room right now. Feel free to post any questions you might have in there. If you want to connect with us on Twitter, you can do so. At HSFFHour, at Eric Balkman, at David Gerzak. Dwayne McFarland is on Twitter, at Dwayne McFarland. You can post on our Facebook page at Facebook.com slash HSFFHour. If you want to chime in and talk with us, give us a call. 347-426-3682. That's 347-GAME-OVA. You can also email the show at the inbox at highstakesfantasyfootball at gmail.com. And, of course, you can check out our website, hsffhour.com, to uh, keep up with the latest goings-on with the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour. If you do have any questions for us or for Dwayne, now is the time to send them. We'll try to get to all the chat room questions, tweets, and emails in the fantasy feedback segment coming up in the second half of the show. Our audio engineer is Bryce. Our producer is our mutual friend, Rob, and they are working very hard tonight. Exciting news from the FFPC today. Not only can you sign up for best balls at 35, 77, and 250, both in uh, the standard FFPC format, but the uh, Superflex uh, format as well. Live drafts, of course, going on this weekend in addition to the slows. But starting next week, Dave, exciting, um, uh, an exciting function that people will be able to auto-register for best balls, multiple best balls all at once starting next week. It's best ball. Why are you calling it balls? Best balls. Best no, ball, one ball. Best ball drafts or best balls. So anyway, yeah. tell the listeners a little bit about that. What what this is this is if you like to play a lot of best ball leagues. Thank you very much. All at once, uh, you can sign up for multiple ones. How is that going to work? Well, when you when you register for a certain league, if it's, let's say you're playing a thirty five dollar draft experts league, 
you get, it gives you an option of uh, auto-registering for future drafts, like one, three, five, ten, or unlimited. And as long as uh, we have drafts going on, it'll just add you into the next one. Right. The one limit is that we won't have more than eight auto-registering people in the one draft at once. You're not playing like 20 drafts against the same like 11 other guys. Right, exactly. And and the benefit to this is obviously before you would have to go on the FFPC website see if there was a new 35 listed, a new 77 listed, a new 250 listed. No longer. It's going to auto-register for you as many as you want to sign up for. And uh, then that way you can draft more often, which, listen, we like, you like, everybody likes. It's a win-win-win, as Michael Scott yes, would we're say. Pr- pretty excited about it. Uh, other stuff to be excited about coming up, I believe the target is next week, but uh, the announcement of uh, potentially some FFPC Dynasty Maiden drafts coming up uh, shortly. Yeah, we're pretty excited about that too. That'll be cool. Orphans, as of right now, are all spoken for. They're currently all sold, yes. Could be more sold. So if you do want to take advantage of an orphan team, um, you know, when they when they become available, check it out on myffpc.com slash dynasty and then look for the announcement on Maiden drafts coming up uh, this week as well. At least that is, that is the plan, Dave. Um, it's all part of the plan. Uh, let's get to uh, tonight's guest here. He has uh, not only had one, but two teams in the top four of the Football Guys Players Championship back in 2014. He cashed uh, nearly $30,000 for that performance, finishing ahead of nearly 6,000 other squads in the contest this past season. He almost made it to the mountaintop again, beating out all but one team, more than 7,000 teams in the 2017 FPC. Uh, we see his name up there a lot. Yeah, it's up there quite a bit, and he took second place this year. So now he's finished second, third, and fourth in the contest and has a lot of money to show for it. Please welcome back to the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour, Mr. Dwayne McFarland. What's up, man? Hey, guys. Doing good. Thanks for having me on. How are you? We are doing excellent. Man, man, it's uh, second, third, and fourth, Dwayne. You're, just, you're, you're filling in that, uh, that outside <laughs> straight there. You just need to get a little bit higher to, to get that big payday, man. Yeah. I, you know, I thought this year might be the year for number one, but you know, you know how it goes. Hey, I'm happy just to keep, keep hanging around up there. I'm, I'm thinking eventually it's going to happen. Yeah, you, you know, the longer you hang up there, the the more uh, likely it is that you will get into that first spot. Hey, remind the listeners, Dwayne, what you do for a living when you're not winning thirty grand in the Football Guys Players Championship. So I'm an associate vice president in a healthcare analytics organization. So um, spend a lot of time with data, a lot of times, a lot of time trying to figure out what the data means, how to use that to help hospitals. So kind of the same thing I do in fantasy. So you'll, you'll have like an Excel spreadsheet you're working on, and then one tab will be like uh, healthcare projections, uh, you know, costs and so on. And then you know, on the secret other tab, you have like, you know, like hit points above, you know, average or shit like that. Uh, yeah, all, all my coworkers that know I do it come to me every year. You know, this has been going on for a while, and it's hey, can I have the can I have the spreadsheet <laughs> for their for their <laughs> local draft? So it's a it's kind of a, a water cooler topic. That's awesome. Uh, all right, so let's talk some fantasy. Um, you didn't get the seventh round discount on Cream Hunt that many did last season, but you still grabbed him after Bell and Gurley. So with the impending uh, return of Spencer Ware, does that concern you at all? I mean, Hunt has an early ADP of 109. Do you think Hunt's a potential bust? Um, 
You know, I don't I don't think so. I mean, it really depends on how Spencer Ware looks in the preseason. You know, I do like Spencer Ware, but I don't really see him as being something, you know, special. So I think we'll just need to keep an eye on it in the preseason, see how he looks. But, you know, Andy Reid has been a guy that traditionally has been willing to let one guy carry the load. And even if he wants to shave some of that off, there's such, uh, you know, really a security blanket with just the fact that they usually get the catches from a PPR standpoint. Um, you know, he's not really a guy I worry too much about. I wouldn't want to take him much higher than where he's going. I think he's slotted, you know, about right. I'm not going to take him over Odell Beckham, you know, or guys like that, though, which I'm seeing quite often in some of the recent ADP data. But I definitely like him over Melvin Gordon, you know, but I put him in that range with Dalvin Cook. Uh, I, I like him over Fournette just because of the catches. And, you know, like I said, Reed has shown a propensity to keep a guy on the field. Yeah, that, that's been his MO is to, to focus on one running back, which is kind of weird because we were all concerned. Think about when we were drafting in, I would say, like late July, early August. The, you know, both Ware and Hunt were both getting depressed in drafts as far as their value goes. You know, Ware was like a fifth rounder somewhere around there, and, and, and Hunt was going eighth, ninth, sometimes even the double-digit rounds. And we all kind of ignored that. We all, we, we all kind of thought, like, look, he, he, it, it's probably going to be a time – <laughs> I'm still here. You, you guys Hello. there? Hello. Anyone can hear us? We're having technical issues. I can. One second. Yeah, I can. I can hear you guys. Can you hear me? What happened? Should I check the search for token? Circuit breaker? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, we're back. We're back. <laughs> hey, oh, hey, hey, Dwayne, can you hear us? Yeah, I hear you. Can you hear me? All right. Yes, we can hear you. Okay. Well, that was exciting. <laughs> Add that to the lore of the high stake fantasy football hour. Never had that happen before. Some sort of power surge in the studio. Our, our audio engineer Bryce is, is working uh, on fixing that right now. So I'm glad everything is is still copacetic and we are good to go. So, so to wrap up my point on Kareem Hunt and Spencer Ware. We don't want to fall, and per what you're saying, Dwayne, we may not want to fall in the trap of this, this could be a timeshare again because historically it has not been a timeshare in an Andy Reid offense, and this could be uh, you know, Kareem Hunt, uh, maybe not duplicating what he did last year, but paying off a late first-round value uh, for sure. Uh, let's talk about a guy who will not be a first-round pick in fantasy this year, and that's Devontae Parker. Now, in your football guys draft last year in, uh, in this league that, uh, that you got the runner-up spot at, um, 
Dwayne, uh, 502 was where you got Devontae Parker, the receiver from the Dolphins. He finished as wide receiver 51. Considering he might be catching passes from a different quarterback for the third straight year, has the breakout shine worn off enough to avoid him, even though he's going as wide receiver 42 in the uh, mid-ninth round of FFPC drafts right now? Is that enough for you to get on board with him? Um, I, I still like him at that price. I mean, he's the perfect kind of candidate to me for a ninth or 10th round kind of pick. You know, he definitely has the talent. You know, he's a guy I loved in college, loved film, loved everything about him. Um, you know, and some of these guys, it just, it just takes time. Now, if it doesn't happen this year, a la kind of like Kevin White, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely starting to fade on. But, you know, Parker, I just liked a lot better coming out. And, and the other thing I would say is that if Jarvis Landry is traded – you know, he doesn't get tagged, and he's not with the Dolphins. I really don't – I guess it doesn't matter who's throwing passes almost. I mean, I prefer it to be, you know, Tannehill or one of the younger quarterbacks. You know, obviously Cutler was not, you know, very good this year. But, you know, I think that's that's a great value in the ninth round. A guy that we know has talent. You know, could he get hurt? Could he flame out? Yeah, but volume is king. I mean, if Jarvis Landry's gone, that he's going to have guaranteed 125-plus targets. He could get 150. You know, I mean, Stills could could come in and perform. I think, you know, whoever Jakeem Grant kind of flashed a little at the end of the year. So definitely would want to watch preseason. You know, the, the biggest thing for him is he just needs to stay healthy. You know, I think every time he starts to build momentum, you know, he, he pulls something and he doesn't play through the injury. So, I mean, for him, all we know, it may be a mental game. He may never be able to get over the hurdle. But at the ninth round, you know, there's not many other players that I see at that spot that could potentially have 125, 150 targets. Another guy too, Dave. We always talk about when you load up at a position early in the draft. It's it's important not to just ignore that position uh, going on out. And for people who love the zero RB, you load up on those four or five receivers early on right away. It's important not to ignore that position after that ninth round for Devontae Parker. Not a bad way to to get a fifth receiver or your number five receiver on your on your roster. Yeah, I'm, I'm not as big of a Devontae Parker fan as you guys are. So uh, I'll, I'll, you'll be staying away. I will continually uh, continue to stay. You'll away. be on Dizzle Island. That's okay. With, with yeah, that's fine. yeah, I think I did listen. I, I kind of I, I forgot what you said. You literally, you he's dead to you or something in one of the last podcasts. So <laughs> I was, was kind of figuring that would be your response. You know, but I've learned my lesson. See, I've said consistent. players. I've said players have been dead to me before, and then they've come back and been phenomenal. And so, I mean, I just try to you know really lean in you know to the data and and just try to if the, if he has the chance to get that kind of volume, it's just hard to ignore. And he could completely flop, but that opportunity could be there. Yeah, if you get that many targets, I mean, right. even uh, Devin Funchess type guy or Kelvin Benjamin type guy. Yeah, catch passes. yeah exactly. All right, exactly. So let's talk about Deion Yeah, Lewis, that's right? about where I put it. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. That makes sense. Uh, so uh, next question is about Deion Lewis. He uh, is going apparently at the 605, which intuitively that feels high to me. It feels early for a Belichick offense, but uh, what do you think about him overall? I love Deion Lewis. I mean, I love this guy, uh, you know, back whenever Trent Richardson, you know, came to the Browns. And, and that, if you guys remember that preseason, I think it was either it was Trent's second season, um, or no, maybe it was his rookie season, but Deion Lewis got hurt, which that's his problem, right? He's a smaller guy, but I mean, the talent is there. I love him. It just all depends on landing spot. There's no way. I mean, I don't draft this early unless I'm doing maybe a best ball league or something just to have some fun. But I'm. Uh, there's no way I would touch him, you know, there right now. But if he lands in the right spot, you know, where he can get the touches, I mean, absolutely. Um, you're going to have to be prepared for injury. But, you know, if, if he stays on the field or for the games he's on the field, 
I mean, I think he's proven time and time again. I mean, he's he's an electric back. Okay, great, Dwayne. Uh, I know you're in data and, and more probably more in mathematics, than, but uh, I'm sure you have some English skills. So, can you tell me what do you think the plural of best ball is? Do you think Not it's best ball or do you think it's best ball? <laughs> Well, for the purposes of having fun on the radio show, I think it's best balls. There you go. See, whatever. You guys are like on a team. We're not on a team. I feel like I'm on CNN here, and I'm on the Trump guy. You, uh, you just don't understand quality radio like Dwayne and I do. Just, uh, just whatever. Next question. Dwayne McFarland, our uh, guest tonight on the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour, fresh off his uh, $30,000 runner-up finish in the 2017 Football Guys Players Championship. Dwayne, what was it like watching that? That weird, weird, weird Eagles Raiders game uh, when you're sitting near the top of the leaderboard in play for that $250,000 grand prize. Well, I tell you what, you know, the, this is what the fantasy football gods have done for the NFL. There's no way I watch that game if I'm not in fantasy football. That was the worst game ever. And and so, I'm, but you know, having the player you're rooting for changes all of that. I mean, I'm literally staring at Zach Ertz every play. Where is he lining up? Is he in the slot? Is he split out? Why? You know, are they blitzing? You know, and I'll be honest, going into the game, you know, if you look back at, at Ertz's last year, I think I needed you know 23 or 24 points, and he had scored that many or more. I think about 40, 30, 40 percent of his games. So I knew, you know, I was less than a coin flip to win, but you know, in the first half, I mean, it could have been over. Um, he missed two touchdown catches. So, I mean, whenever you're playing for that kind of money, you see those things as fantasy owners. I know you guys do too. You're watching on the weekend, especially when you're watching red zone and they show all the just near misses and you're like, Oh my gosh, or the, the guy gets tackled at the one, but those things are just all magnified whenever you're trying to play for that much money. But I'll tell you what, even though it, it, it was hard to sit there and I had uh, several of my family members were over and they were all rooting on. Their kids were rooting on. I have like a, I have a two-year-old nephew. He has no clue who Zach Ertz is, but he's just running around my house, house just screaming, Ertz, Ertz. I mean, so the, the whole thing was it, it was super cool. You know, this is the thing about it. This is my third time to go into a Monday night game in a major kind of tournament like this, where I was up against where a tight end was in play. The other two times I was on the other end where I didn't have anyone left. So one of them was what you mentioned earlier in the show, Eric, where uh, the guy that won first uh, that year had Tony Gonzalez in 2014. And I think he needed like eight and a half points. And he passed me on the final drive. I was in my, one of my teams was in first that night. And so that year I, I was in the 250 and I fell out to a tight end. And then a couple of years before that, I was out in Vegas through another tournament and it was when Greg Olson was still on the Bears, and it cost me ten grand because I got passed on Monday night by Greg Olson. So I thought, hey, third time's a charm. I actually have the tight end this time. <laughs> and tell you what, by by halftime, right. I thought I was eighty percent to win. And then after the third quarter, I was back down to like you know twenty or thirty percent. Um, I'll <laughs> tell you, I mean, every pass that Foles missed him, I am not a Nick Foles fan. I'll tell you that right now. Sorry, Nick, you seem like a great guy winning the Super Bowl and all that. But, I, I, yeah, that guy, I definitely had some bad four-letter words coming out of my mouth associated with Nick Foles that night. That was a crazy night, too, because there was so much wind. Was it just wind and cold? Yeah, was it not, the wind was the biggest, biggest yeah, factor, yeah. yeah. It was just crazy. And the thing is, is like, you know, there was, you know, Michael Crabtree had a zero that night. I believe Alshon Jeffrey yep. had a zero that night. Nelson Aguilar – 
basically had like Crabtree was yeah. Yeah, he Nelson Aguilar had like six had base, yeah, it, but it, but it, it all came late. I mean, he did yeah, almost like did nothing for the majority of the game, yeah. and then he came on. So it was just a really, really bizarre, bizarre game to watch. And not to bring up fresh wounds well, about Zach Ertz, but I, <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. Well, no, no. In y'all's format, I mean, that's what's so cool about it with the tight end. I mean, you're literally talking about one catch and seven yards. It's all I, you know, and, and when they're in that little two-minute drill, and you guys know this is every weekend on Fantasy, the best – Two minutes of your weekend is, is the end of the first half game where the red zone is just freaking – I mean, all of a sudden, you know, the scores start blowing up everywhere, right? Well, you know, you're in that moment of yeah. the game. They're in, they're in their two-minute drill, and you're thinking – and he did. He hit Ertz on a couple of passes. I just needed one more. Um, you know, and he literally missed him on one that was almost like a behind-the-line-of-scrimmage kind of pass where he was like three yards from him. And I'm just like, oh, seriously. And there was nobody there. But, you know, I tell you what – I it's still fun, you know, even going through the defeat, you know, it just makes you want to get back up and you're like, okay, what am I going to, what, what do you do to keep getting yourself into that position? What'd you learn this year? What are you going to apply that kind of thing? So, you know, and, and, and I heard the other guys, you know, that won, I forgot their names, but you know, I heard their podcast, you know, I listened to it. You guys had them on a couple of weeks ago. Seem like great guys. They know what they're talking about. So, you know, Dion Lewis really kicked me in the sack. That guy just that's what that's what got oh, me. Yeah. They had Deion Lewis really go right. off, and I was like, when I saw that, I was like, dang! I knew that was going to be a challenge, and and it was. Yeah, that was. And they had, if I remember correctly, they made like a couple of correct decisions that yeah. uh, really impacted them on the positive. They did. Yeah, yeah, no, totally. Yeah. They did. Well, Dwayne, since what's funny is I released I released Deion Lewis on that team. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> uh, what's funny is did I you? released Deion Lewis on that team, but I couldn't play him. I mean, I had uh, – and I needed receivers because you guys saw I had – the other receiver I had was Sammy Watkins, and I had Marvin Jones. Thank God. I drafted Marvin Jones on every team. And so he came through, I mean, down the stretch through the middle of the season. But, yeah, I I literally – I dropped Dion because, I mean, I had Kareem Hunt. I had Gurley. Um, I had Bell. And then now I'm struggling. Who else did I have? I had Zach Ertz at tight end. But, anyway, I just didn't have a spot for him. And, and he wasn't – he didn't have the playing time at that point. So, anyway. All right. Well, before we – we're going to leave the knife in you just a little bit and twist it just a little. Just a little. little just more. a slight twist, like so, a 10-degree twist. Next, who are you more likely to draft next year, Zach Ertz or Travis Kelsey? Well, right now, I mean, um, I don't know what their ADP will be in, in y'all's draft, but in most of what I'm seeing, they're a full <laughs> round apart. So, I mean, I would just – I would take Ertz because he's going almost around later. Uh, however, if they got closer together, I mean, I prefer I prefer Kelsey. I love Ertz. He was a huge part of my season this year. I really targeted him pretty heavily. I think I had him on five of my 16 teams. Um, so he was a guy that I knew that I wanted. Um, but I just love the edge that Kelsey plays with, you know, that that just that ferociousness, that, you know, just that extra umph, you know, that he has. And I feel like, you know, maybe with a guy like Mahomes, not, you know, Mr. Super, ultra, ultra, ultra conservative Alex Smith, you know, Kelsey's a guy you can jam it in there too. Um, I mean, you give him the targets, and I, I say he's the number one fantasy tight end. Yeah, right now, in, uh, according to our good friend Darren Armani over at Fantasy Mojo, uh, the ADP that he has for FFPC, Travis Kelsey currently going at the 204, Zach Ertz going all the way at the 212. Look, the surprising thing for, for me, Dwayne, and, and I'll get your thoughts on this in a second, but Rob Gronkowski 
amid the threats of retirement, still going at the 209, which is a little surprising to me. I mean, I'd be all over Zach Ertz before Rob Gronkowski right now. What, what are your thoughts on taking Gronk in the late second? I, I totally agree. I mean, I love Gronk as much as anyone, but it's also just the injury thing. You know, I, I, you know I've been playing in y'all's format for a long time. I can't tell you how many times I've tried the Gronk thing. And it's not that it, it it's can't it, you know, it's not that it's never going to work right. Just like me going back to Parker, things can change. But it's just the injury and the hits he takes. Nobody wants to hit him up high. I cringe every time he catches the ball because you just see a safety flying in low, like right at his knees. I mean, the guys. It's amazing that he doesn't blow his ACL out every year. I mean, the NFL really does need to look at doing something about you know some of that. And I know it's all because of the concussion stuff. But yeah, I just you know. Gronk just takes huge hits, and he's always going for the extra yards, and he's getting older. Um, I, I just, there's so many good players I can take in round one. I'm just Gronk won't be one of them. You, uh, you have these all these different draft strategies, Dwayne, and, and Dwayne McFarland, the runner-up in the 2017 Football Guys Players Championship, is our uh, guest tonight. You have all these different draft strategies purported, uh, uh, you know, out by great sites like Draft Sharks and Football Guys and RotoViz. Uh, we have the zero RB, the robust RB. Some people like to go heavy tight end. When you draft as many football guys teams as you do, do you ever play around with those strategies at all and, and just to see how the team turns out? Or are you more of just like, look, I'm going to go with the best player available and build my team that way? What, what do you like to do when, when you have this, I don't say luxury, but when you have this opportunity to draft multiple teams like this to try a lot of different things? I'll be honest. It's a year-to-year kind of thing. I, I never go into the year – thinking, oh, it's going to be runners or, oh, it's going to be receivers. But once you see where ADP is playing out, and then, you know, if I have certain guys like last year, I loved Marvin Jones. I drafted him, I think, on every team I had except for one just because of some research I had done. I felt like, you know what, I'm getting a wide receiver one or wide receiver two with Marvin Jones most likely, and so that allowed me to be more aggressive on runners. Well, if if everyone else is on Marvin Jones and he's going in the fourth and I don't have a backup plan to him – well, then that changes my whole approach to the draft. So, and like last year with me having that, I did go runner heavy a lot because I felt that too many people were forcing the wide receiver heavy. And I, and I felt the narrative around the NFL devaluing runners. You know, I just felt, and it was starting to come back around after Zeke had his big year and things, but I just felt that, you know, people just, they, they cling on to that easy narrative, right? And it used to be the runners and then it was the receivers. I really honestly try to let the draft come to me, but I will say each year, depending on, you know, the guys that I think are super valuable that I'm going to have on most of my teams, if I, if they're going in the sixth, seventh, eighth rounds, then Eric, I will do what you're saying. I'll try some, because I know I'm going to have them on basically every team. So I want different combinations, almost like if you were playing a daily game, right? And, and you know, oh gosh, here's the 20 guys I like this weekend, but these five I want on every team. And now I'm going to just try to mess around with these other combinations as much as I can. You know, I will effort to do that, but I'll tell you, it's hard because I, if, if there's a player I don't like, I really struggle to ever take them. You know, usually I'll say, okay, I'm going to try it, but I just, I just won't. Like the Marco Murray this year kept falling, and you know, I would hear all the love people were giving, and I'm, I, and I, I, li- I like Murray. I'm a huge Cowboys fan, but I just wasn't on him this year. I couldn't, I could never get on that train. You know, I just, so I kept taking my guys. And the thing is, I mean, with me doing, you know, somewhere between 16 and 20 of these teams usually every year. Even if I just allow the draft to come to me, my teams are all going to be different, you know, enough that it's going to be a it's going to be a good thing. Um, but 
I, I do I do like tinkering around with things, but I usually just try not to force it. Um, I guess the one thing I would say, if I do force it, I may be sharing too much, but my strategy is to do it if I'm on the turns. I like dictating the draft and reaching for the players I want there or the players I may be targeting because it just kind of freaks everyone out. They're like, oh, crap, look what just happened. Well, I better go get this guy I want. And usually then, you know, it just helps create value. And those are the times where I might go tight end, tight end, right? Because the, the benefit is when they see that, in your, in, especially in your format that you guys run, most likely, before your pick comes again, another six or seven tight ends go. And so I, use, I won't do that in the middle of the draft unless it's just super value. But on the ends, I will try it, kind of a double strategy. Hey, let's try this, and let's drive other people to maybe get a little bit irrational that sends something back to you. Hey, Dwayne, as, yeah, I, I do too. That's great stuff uh, for sure. I want to talk a little bit, and uh, in, in your, maybe your Cowboys fandom can shed some light on, on something that maybe I don't want to believe or I've been wrestling uh, with, but the prospects of Des Bryant in 2018. Currently in FFPC best ball drafts, he is going at the 5'11". He is the 27th receiver off the board. Your thoughts on the type of season he could have uh, or that he will have with Dallas this year and what you think about his draft value there sitting at the end of the fifth round. Um, you know, the fifth round, you know, is not probably too high of a price. I, I'm not probably going to be drafting Des a lot. And it's not really um, about Des and his athleticism. I think a lot of that is still there. I hear a lot of people, oh, he just doesn't have it. No, he does. But Des has never been a route runner. Right, Des has been a down the field, you know, win the ball in the air. Hey, I'm a beast. He, he's great at run after the catch, but he's not a burner. Well, that's not really the game Dallas is playing anymore. We're playing a quick, short passing game balanced with the run game. So really, the Cole Beasley's, you know, that what they need is a really good Z. Like if they could get a really good Z that runs the underneath stuff, then you would probably be, you know, in business. The problem is Dak and Des, you know, Dak doesn't do what Des does well, and then Des doesn't do what Dak does well, and it just creates a problem, so they can both have a ton of talent, but it's just not the right fit. Now, I mean, it's always something to watch, you know, in training camp, you know, but I, I don't know that Des is going to change his stripes at this point in his career. You would probably more have to hope that, you know, Dak can improve the long ball game, and then that would help things. I mean, the one thing you could point to, you know, Eric, to maybe give a little bit of hope, hope is if you look at what he did, what Des did at the end of 2016, not this last year, but the end of 16, he and Dak hooked up on several deep balls, even I think against Green Bay in the playoffs, they got one. They just weren't ever to get able to get that going, you know. Um, so I, I think that's what you would have to watch for, but I don't think the prospects are really good. It's just a mismatch. It's a mismatch of scheme and talent um, that I think is just going to cause inconsistency and a lot of fantasy owner headache. We have, uh, we have some emails uh, I want to get to here. The first one uh, is from Sean in Kaiser, Oregon. Do you see Deontay Foreman surpassing Lamar Miller as the back to own in what should be a prolific offense in Houston this season? Nice job on the 30K. That is from Sean in Kaiser, Oregon. Thank you for the email, Sean. So uh, Foreman versus Miller this year. Can, can Foreman surpass Miller? I mean, it's certainly Lamar Miller has not been setting an incredibly high bar to leap over. What are your thoughts? I, I know Foreman's coming off the injury too, but your thoughts on Foreman and, and what he can do behind Deshaun Watson this year? Yeah, I like Foreman. Um, you know, again, it will be something to monitor. You know, it's going to be – it's a pass protection thing for him. Um, but he's got the talent. You know, he's kind of a one-cut straight ahead, 
you know, runner. Um, I, I know there were worries about him coming out of, of trying to use speed too much instead of his size, and he seemed to kind of figure some of that out. What I like is they can run, you know, they can run the spread kind of offense, and then you get in a, against a nickelback kind of deal, and you get this big back. It's problematic, right? It's like that's the Legarrette Blount thing. Um, you know, that's what New England used to do. He, they even did that with Stephen Ridley, right? They get people in the nickel, and then all of a sudden they have a little bit more of a physical back. So I think Foreman's definitely the guy, you know, to own. Um, I, I, I want to really see how things shake out to really determine, you know, how early we would be willing to take him. And also the draft. I mean, there's so many good runners in this draft. I won't be surprised if Houston doesn't draft another. Let's get to uh, Larry in Lava Hot Springs, Idaho here, Dave. All right, Larry. You ever been to Lava? I wish Larry was on my area. You, you ever been to Lava Hot Springs, Idaho? Nope, I've been to Hot Springs in uh, Yellowstone National Park, though. Were they lava hot? Because these are lava hot. They're pretty damn hot, to be honest Okay. With. They, well, they, don't want, they don't want you to fall in. We'll have to visit Larry sometime <laughs> and uh, see if we can uh, do some sort of comparison. He writes, what sort of impact do you think John Gruden is going to have on the Raiders' offense in 2018? Thank you for the email, Larry. This is something that we've talked well, he's about. He's going to annoy the entire offense by talking. <laughs> for sure. Uh, we've talked about this a lot on the show. But, Dwayne, uh, the, the impact that uh, the offensive guru John Gruden will have on Derek Carr, Amari Cooper, et al. in, uh, in uh, Las Vegas, I guess it would be. Man, I'm just not excited. <laughs> I, I think there's so many ways that the Raiders could have gone, you know. Uh, and it's not like I'm a Gruden hater. I just, you know, when somebody's been away from the game that long, um, you know, and I know John stayed close to the game, but I just, I, I don't know. I don't see him as being a real, you know, innovator. I see him as being someone that really got down, you know, he assimilated components of a West Coast offense from the multiple coaches he was under. And, I mean, the West Coast, you know, unless he's got, you know, some innovation that he's going to add into that, I mean, or unless his last name is Shanahan, you know, where you can add that running scheme in that those guys do, um, you know, or a Kubiak, it's just, it just doesn't, you know, excite me. I think it could be really good for Amari Cooper, you know, if he can get over the drops and Crabtree's gone, because I think it will play to his strengths. You know, they're going to run a lot of slants, a lot of play action, bootleg kind of stuff. So I think for Amari, you know, if he can just get, out of his own head, um, he could have a really, really nice year in that kind of a scheme. But other than that, I just, you know, I, I don't, I don't see anything to be really super excited about. I'm not a big Jared Cook guy, you know. I thought Marshawn looked really good last year, so I mean that could be one thing. John will, you know, he likes to run the ball, he likes to set the tone in a game. But overall, I'm just, it's kind of a, you know, meh situation for me. Let's get to uh, the, the question that Dave normally asks. I'm going to ask it tonight if that's all right with you, Dave. Go right ahead, Eric. Looking ahead to this year, Dwayne, and I know you're not drafting right now, but as you sort of formulate the, uh, the numbers, the opinions, you, you, you know, everything you're shaping your mind right now as, as far as what you think will happen in drafts, a guy that you think is, is going to be overdrafted in the first few uh, rounds, uh, a guy that you probably will not have a whole lot of shares of, and then conversely, a guy maybe in the mid-rounds, you know, maybe, maybe even later than that, uh, that you think is a flying under the radar that you're actually going to target quite a bit, uh, it, you know, after the first few rounds are done. Yeah, um, and, and again, like you said, I mean, we'll, a lot's going to shake out with free agents in the draft, but I mean, looking at it right now, you know, um, I, 
I just don't see myself taking Alvin Kamara in the first, you know, six picks. Um, you know, what he and, uh, you know, Ingram did last year was basically a historic year to think that that's really going to be repeated. Um, I mean, I love Kamara. He was on probably 70% of my teams this last year, but I was getting him, you know, in the 10th round. You know, I would love to take Kamara and, you know, late – you know, mid-second, late-second, early third, but the way I look at it right now, I can get Christian McCaffrey, you know, in that range. He's going to catch a similar amount of balls, probably have a similar workload, not 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 quite as good or explosive, but a guy that's really going to be involved in the game plan, um, and I don't have to deal with knowing that there's really another really good back he has to share time with. McCaffrey has a better chance to take hold of the backfield. So when I look at that, it's almost that, you know, uh, it comes down to, well, why would I take this player when I can take the same player, you know, around, you know, later, unless you just really think Kamara, you know, is going to bury Ingram and, and just pull away. And I don't think that's the case. Gruden is, I mean, not Gruden, uh, you know, Sean Payton has shown that he likes having those two styles, right? I mean, so Darren Sproles, yeah, had yeah. one really great year under him, but he didn't have multiple great years. And I, and I do believe Kamara is different. I, I love watching the guy. He's amazing. Just the price is too high. Um, as far as an undervalued guy, you know, I'll be honest. I'm, Man, I'm loving what the third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh rounds look like. I mean, I could just pick all day in those rounds. Now, those things will start to tease themselves out and things will start to change. But, I mean, um, you know, right now if I'm looking at it, you're going to give me A.J. Green in the second round. Okay, yes, I'm happy with that. If you want to look at even later, you know, somebody that's, you know, truly, like you guys said, flying under the radar. I mean, I want to see what happens with Kenyon Drake. I want to see what happens with these rookie running backs because it's always supply and demand, right? There are a ton of good backs now, and and people are going to draft the backs heavy. But, I mean, there's so many that, I mean, I think in the third, fourth, fifth, sixth rounds, there's going to be plenty of players. It's not going to be like last year where, you know, the third or fourth best rookie like a Joe Mixon, people are taking them in the fifth round. I think you're going to see guys falling into the sixth and the seventh just because of the supply that's available. Um, and I think that receivers, honestly, you know, it's kind of flipped. You know, there, there's less good receivers, in my opinion, right now, or you've got quarterback issues across the board. So I think, you know, this might be a year where it's better to maybe take an elite back if you've got an early pick, come back and nab two receivers, and then come back and still be able to get two or three really good runners. like that a lot. Yeah. Um, by the way, speaking of drafting early, uh, the football guys contest is now going to start a month, almost a month earlier, Dwayne. I know you don't normally draft early, but if you want to get AJ Green a little bit later than normal, maybe uh, you know change your change your tune a little bit. Do we there. have a fixed date? It's May. Is it May fourth? I don't know. It's like yeah, May like the fourth. Star Wars Day. Is that what it is? I don't know. It's I'm Star Wars Day. What is Star Wars? May the fourth be with you. You know what? That's the thing. <laughs> That's I, I'm not yeah, making for that nerds. Up. May sixth is is the first Sunday. It's so guys, so you know my. I profess the reason I don't start Dave like in May is because if I did, I would draft 70 teams. Once I start, I, I don't <laughs> stop. It's like, I know, I know. Yeah. You're like, exactly. So do it. <laughs> the problem is managing right. that man. Oh my gosh. That is a, I've done that before. I've had one year, uh, me and my buddy had like 45 teams. That was just insane. I, you know, I still enjoyed it, but it just wasn't near as fun. I, for me, the sweet spot is that 12, you know, to 16. You know, I've done 20 and done well. But when you, I start getting past that, it's, it just starts to, you know, it, it's a lot of time invested to doing that stuff right. Well, I mean, really the key, though, we found this out in Kentucky, 
the key is to draft all these teams and only have like four that are good. So oh, yeah. we, we score, you're fine. <laughs> yeah. We're just ignoring yeah. the rest of the team. Yeah, you have to self-tank a little bit to, to well, try I, to make well, sure. Well, we don't even try. Well, so, I mean, I don't. This, this this, this, I mean, there's obviously Kurt, Kurt was the one team where like, okay, Kurt, you try. Yeah, Kurt. The, this year, <laughs> and we actually we had 12 main event teams in Kentucky. Normally, we have, right. like, honestly, we normally have like seven or eight, or sometimes even nine that are yeah. good. This year, they were all terrible, except for Kurtz, which was good. And well, I, he I won had, the whole thing. I had one that made the championship round, too. Yeah, okay. Well, it it yours was terrible. moderately okay. It was moderately okay. So, Dwayne, what are your plans for the $30,000 that you won in the 2018 Football Guys Players? 2017, that should be. I blame oh, who the hell wrote this? Blame Rob. Ro- I blame Rob for that. All right. 2017. It is uh, in the bank. So, no no super exciting plans, but I have a son that I have a son that just turned 16. He hasn't decided on a vehicle, so part of it will uh, probably be going towards that. And then, you know, a good chunk of it will probably get reinvested with you guys or some kind of fantasy game. Yeah. Well, at least you're not putting it into his college fund. I appreciate that you're going to buy him a, you know, like a <laughs> Porsche 911 that's like 12 years old. Yeah, some sort of. 29995. Some, sort of, some sort of jalopy <laughs> that 30 grand will probably buy. Yeah. You know, that's. Listen, you can get a mini Cooper convertible, you know. Yeah. Chicks dig it because mostly they own them. Yes. <laughs> that's totally true. Oh, yeah. He's, and we dig too. He Dwayne. wants the classic. Did, so. Yeah, uh, exactly. Well, listen. This was a, a, a classic, a throwback interview tonight. We had you on in 2014. Four years later, we have you back again. I'd like to say, Dwayne, that the next time we have you on is when you're, you know, uh, proudly holding that $250,000 check. And uh, you've been near the top before. You certainly know what it takes. And, and good luck to you. Uh, maybe even doing it in 2018. Uh, congrats on all your success and good luck in all your drafts this year, man. Thanks for joining the show. Yeah, thanks, guys. You guys have a good one. Thanks, Dwayne. Dwayne McFarland. Follow him on Twitter, at Dwayne McFarland, and uh, follow him at the top of the Football Guys leaderboard, almost perennially, a, it seems like. <laughs> yeah. See, I, I'm going to go follow him right now. Yeah, go do that. Um, great guy, great, great insight, Dave, uh, into uh, how he likes to form these teams. We, often we, we get a lot of uh, qualitative analysis, and, and we get the analytics guy on tonight. We got some quantitative stuff, stuff that I think people can actually use and try out in their drafts. Good information on forcing the issue at the uh, at the at the turn. A lot of people don't like to be at the turn in the draft yeah. because they they get get left out in the cold on certain things. Dwayne takes the opposite approach. You know, back into the corner, be aggressive, lash out uh, like that uh, <laughs> wounded animal that you are. Uh, exactly. In the corner, yeah. and, uh, and and take two quarterbacks in the tenth, eleventh round, and win thirty grand. That's, that's how it works. <laughs> Uh, I want to thank football guys, Roto World, and Rob for tonight's rundown. ESPN's David Newton believes the Panthers, quote, could overhaul, unquote, their wide receiver group this offseason. Uh, Newton mentioned Funches, Curtis Samuel, and Demir Bird as the only ones that should feel safe entering this season. Funches was, of course, the de facto number one wideout last year after the trade of Kelvin Benjamin to Buffalo. But certainly uh, a lot of people have said he is more suited to that complementary number two role. He is actually entering the final year of his rookie contract. Of course, last season's second-round pick, Curtis Samuel, had a lot of ankle issues, really never could get on the field and make an impact. And Demir Bird, who knows what you're going to get from him on a week-to-week basis. Cam Newton obviously needs that dominant number one target hog as his number one wideout. Ian Rappaport from, yeah, from NFL Network mentions that the Panthers may be involved in the Jarvis Landry trade talks with the Miami Dolphins. Uh, Carolina may be using their first-round pick on a receiver. So you look at this, Dave, from a fantasy standpoint, don't care about Demir Bird, uh, not really that excited about Curtis Samuel in Dynasty or Redraft. 
Funches is the interesting guy here because we saw what he could do as the number one receiver last year. Uh, I'm actually wondering if, if now is the time to flip him in Dynasty for something coming off such a great year. Well, his year was great enough that I got offered a 2018 third-round pick. Yikes, yeah, that's really bad. It is pretty bad. That is bad. Um, but, I mean, I, honestly, I don't think you're getting a 2018 first for him. I just don't think. No, I don't think you could. So, you're like, what are you going to get, you know, 2018 second? I mean, is that your trade for that? I don't know. The thing that's not exciting for me about him is because Cam Newton, you know, he's probably the, the third offensive receiving target in the offense minus, you know, behind Olsen and McCaffrey. So I, just, I don't know if he's going to get the targets. I just don't see him being a high-volume guy. And he's, I don't think he's all that super right. talented. Uh, although, again, as we've said time and again, he, has, he did come in the NFL as a really young guy. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I, he's still kind of growing as a, as a receiver. He's pretty tall and big enough already. He's probably not growing as a person. Well, he might be growing as a person. person. I have to talk to his therapist about that. <laughs> um, he is currently going at the six uh, twelve in uh, FFPC drafts. Remember, a lot of the damage that he did last year was when Greg Olson was on the shelf, and this is after Benjamin was traded too. Uh, Devin Funches turns twenty four on May twenty first, so he is not even twenty four yet. It's crazy. It's not, it's this like his fourth year, age twenty four season. This will be. His, uh, he was drafted in the 2015 NFL draft, second uh, second round pick. So this will be his fourth year yeah. in the NFL. Pretty crazy. Um, I just, I, I, you know, I don't think I'd feel all that great about having him as my number three or even number four wide receiver. Like, you know, you do it when you have to, like during bye weeks. But I don't think I, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think he's, he does have upside. I just don't know if that. I just don't think it's going to happen. You're of the opinion, though, but you're not. You're probably not going to get an early second, late first round pick for him in dynasty right now. You know, you could off, you could offer him away for the. I would maybe start going 108. I make you know why not? Maybe someone likes him. Throw out the 107 and, and down to 112, 201. And if that's what you're willing to give him up for, go you know just throw out those six or seven offers and see what happens. This is awfully early and kind of an unfair question I'm going to ask you. But if, in a rookie draft, where would you imagine he would go? The 107, 108 area. Uh, so I think you know, if he was caught, I would say he'd probably go around the 111, 112. 111, 112. Because okay. I mean, it's, you know, it's a pretty deep running back draft, not a really deep receiver draft, supposedly. Right. But, you know, you kind of have, a, you know, after three seasons, you have a pretty good idea what you got out of punches. So, you know, people would take the I would take the risk with D.J. Moore, for example, wide receiver, who I actually really like quite yep. a bit. Because I think he has more, I just don't know, and that's what's better, actually. You know what I'm curious about? We... Once again, nobody is talking about Calvin Ridley's age except for us on this show. At least I haven't heard it. Um, Old man, which Ridley. I, I just I, I fail to understand why this does not. I'm, not, I'm probably not going to be drafting him. This does not come into play because um, he's he's what six foot one ninety. He's an old he's an older player and he's never been all that productive at Alabama. Granted, their offense sucks, but whatever. He is seven months younger than Devin Funches. That's nuts. Seven months younger than Devin Funches is Calvin Ridley. I mean, look at this production. Who would you rather take in a, in, if he's available in the, in the rookie draft, Funches or Ridley? Uh, you know, to be honest, I would have to probably say Ridley, and that's just because of the fact the that... The unknown. The unknown. Right, yeah. Like, okay. So the known, known, it's like the... Uh, what is the known known? The known known. That the, known known? The unknown knowns and the unknown unknowns. Right. That was one of George Bush's like strategies. I forgot his name. No. Um, I, I couldn't tell you. I don't even want to think about it. Well, let's, let's not <laughs> talk about... The Iraq War starters... Well, uh, we'll talk about a guy we just mentioned um, in Jarvis Landry. Ian Rappaport mentioned the Titans, Panthers, Saints, and Bears as teams that could be interested in a trade for the uh, Dolphins franchise tag player. And, I, by the way, I saw a report from Miami Dolphins beat writer tonight. He said he would be surprised if Landry was not traded. So certainly and, – and the thing to bring this up 
was if you watched the interview, uh, the Titans were the team he mostly focused on, uh, first team that, that he mentioned, and the other three were kind of afterthoughts. Eric Decker did not work out last year in Tennessee. Now, Taewon Taylor will be there. I know a lot of people are excited about him from a dynasty standpoint. Obviously, Corey Davis is uh, the alpha in that offense or the expected alpha in that offense. For sure, Matthews. He was the unknown quantity in the offense. What? Okay, yeah. Well, he is. Yeah, no, that's he true. Didn't do anything. That's true. He's no alpha. That's why I'm saying he's the expected. I like Corey Davis right now. I was I was actually trying to get um, who was I? I was talking dynasty trade with somebody, and I was like, boy, I'd love to get Corey Davis from this guy. But I was like, there's no way he's going to give him up. I, I just I don't know. Maybe I'm just overvaluing Corey Davis, but I think he's going to be really really good. Well, he had uh, 34 catches for 375 yards and a donut but, touchdown. But he was hurt. 0.0 touchdown. I understand, yes. The stats were not great. And <laughs> if you drafted in a one-year dynasty league last year, you were obviously very upset with what you got out of Corey Davis. Ha, ha, ha. You know, that's so true, Balky. But, yeah. you know, production matters. That, in fact, yeah, it does. It's, it's mostly what matters coming out of college. How many games did he play last year, by the way? Let me check. All right, I thought you had it out. My Sorry. customer's not right here. I, I didn't. I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to put you on the spot here. I thought that. Uh, I thought that you had it out, but I don't know. It's certainly possible. I'm overvaluing Corey Davis. I, I want to bring this back to Landry while while you look this up. Um, I know you didn't listen, but we did. We do the monthly shows on the Appleton Trophy Fantasy Football Show on AM fifteen seventy and ninety five three FM as well. If you're in Oshkosh or the what, Score the website again? Score WI.net. Oh, thank you. So we had our show yesterday. Hang on, is the Score WI.net? Excuse me. The, the, no, that's not it. The Score WI.com is what okay. it is. I don't know. I wanted somebody else. Well, because was holding it hostage. It's because their email addresses for the people who work there. It, it uh, they often end in wci.net right, um, or wcinet.com, and it always confuses me. Right on. The score wi.com. Ten games recorded. Ten day games recorded. Okay, so that's like you know three and a half catches a game. That's not great. Um, but whatever. Zero touchdowns. For Zero touchdowns. Not good. But remember, Mariota was – I'm not going to keep making excuses for Corey Davis, but the, the Titans definitely uh, underwhelmed last year and, and uh, got hot at the playoffs, uh, time of the playoffs. Um, you uh, – what were you just talking about? Landry, I brought this up on the show. Yeah. I'm of the opinion that no matter where Landry gets traded to, I think we need to be careful not to overvalue the change in his stats. Um, because I don't think that they will change too much. I think that anybody that is willing to give up what, what the Dolphins would be asking for for uh, Landry, I think that they will use him to the full extent of his skills and get the best bang for their buck. And I think that is 900 yards, 90 to 100 catches, four to five touchdowns. And seven yards catch. Which is fine. I mean, whatever. Yeah, whatever it is not. But that. But my point is, like, I think no matter. It's fun to talk about where could he go, where could he go. I don't know if there is a best case destination for him right now that I'm really rooting for because I don't know if it changes that much. Well, what I feel like is when he, if he does get traded, that wherever, wherever he goes, people will try and sell themselves on the story. If they like, if you're a person who likes Landry, you'll sell yourself on the story that he's going to do just as well, maybe better, but definitely not worse. Right. So, and there's enough Landry people out there that I feel like he's definitely – he's not going to be discounted. So I'm not going to get any value on him. And there is more risk. I mean, when you leave the, t- the team and the organization where you've compiled all your stats and go somewhere else, there is a risk. I mean, it's like if you're in a marriage with somebody, it's just pretty okay. And you go out of the marriage and you get married to somebody else, there is a risk. It's different. Yeah. So I, I don't think I'd be willing to pay up for Landry. I feel like I'm going to have to pay full price for him. I'd rather get a deal somewhere else. Look at these four teams right here that he mentions. 
uh, the Titans, Panthers, Saints, and Bears. I think there's one that sticks out to me that I think I might like him going to more so than the others. And it's not the one you'd think. Uh, for me, it would be the Bears. I think Everybody so, too. I think, yeah. And you have a young quarterback that might rely on, on throwing to him quite a bit. The Saints, there's a zillion options. The Panthers have Olsen, McCaffrey, Funches. The Titans, I know you're not – it doesn't strike me as you being a huge Corey Davis fan, but he's there, Walker, Richard Matthews. Um, I think they're going to bring in a pass-catching running back in the draft to pair with Derrick Henry, and I think Murray's gone. Um, but Chicago, man, that maybe that's the one I'm rooting for right now, uh, for him to get traded to. Well, so the new head coach is Matt Nagy. Yep. And their offensive coordinator is a guy who's from Oregon, actually. He was one of the uh, examples yeah. of Mr. You know, crazy, Chip Kelly. Crazy guy, Chip yeah. Kelly. Crazy Chip Kelly. Crazy Chip. Yeah. Maybe this guy's not so crazy. Maybe he's not. Maybe he's just a little bit crazy. Maybe he just likes those crazy helmets. Sometimes we all go a little crazy, Dave. NFL Network's Ian Rappaport also reports the Steelers are, quote, listening to potential deals from Martavis Bryant. Uh, Fox Force's Jason Lockenfora, take it for what it's worth and consider the source, he actually said that this was not true. They were not listening to offers. They were not shopping him around. So uh, the national media butting heads on this. But you look at Martavis Bryant now, Dave. Now, he's another guy I look at where maybe if he gets traded, that's when you sell on him. Because I think if he even – even if he was to go to a situation that is bereft of wide receiver talent, I don't know how much he actually gets done there. I, I'm, I'm a little sour on Martavis Bryant right now. That's, it's kind of interesting because I'm actually a little more optimistic than you, I think, because I don't, I've never owned him, never really no, liked right. him that much as a, not as a person or whatever. I, just, I felt there was always a kind of a character thing with him, but uh, I think he does have some talent. If he goes somewhere else and gets a fresh start, I, I think that, there might be some opportunity there. I don't. Again, I don't think he's going to be super pricey. If he, right. he hasn't done that much lately. He did nothing the year before, and then you know, six eighty one, big deal. He, first of all, his value is like nothing right now behind Brown and Smith Schuster in Pittsburgh. Right. If he does get traded, there is going to be a wave of positivity about how he could be the alpha on that team. He could be the uh, guy that's you know commanding one hundred twenty, one hundred thirty targets, whatever. And uh, then at that point, I think I'm willing to take the risk of, you know what, I'm going to cash in my chips on Martavis Bryant, see what I can get for him. And maybe somebody who believes, like you, maybe somebody who believes in him um, would take a chance on him. Now, that said, I'm not going give to give him away for free, uh, but he's definitely a guy that I think if I don't sell him right away after, because I own him in, in a league, in a dynasty league, if I don't sell him right away after he's traded, I'm probably just hanging on to him. I feel like that it's kind of like doing surrender in blackjack. Like you get dealt a 15 or 16, dealers thrown a 10, and like you're you're because you say you're cashing in your chips, but you're not cashing in your chips. You're cashing in about half the chips that you probably paid for them. Because you know yeah, but not, I don't maybe, get to keep the rest of them. Though. Maybe not. Maybe, <laughs> but you know, like you're not. Yeah, you're, you're selling them at I wouldn't say a discount, but at definitely at a loss, right? Unless yeah. you got them for you know at some other point off waivers or whatnot. Right. But for most people, you'd be selling at a loss, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. Yeah. Uh, so that's that's my opinion on Amartevis uh, Bryant currently. My one of my one of Balky's boys from 2017. Nice. Uh, okay. Also uh, from the news blotter here. This is from Football Guys. Ryan Tannehill, Rashad Jones, Kenny Stills, Kiko Alonso, and Andre Branch all candidates to restructure their contracts uh, this offseason so that the Dolphins can create some cap space because they have a 26 million dollar commitment this year to you guessed it, Navin Kong Sue. So you have. Uh, Here's the interesting part, and this is why I bring it up, because I never really considered this as a possibility. And I don't know who wrote this for football, guys. Somebody who's running their news blotter. 
They said they wouldn't remotely be shocked if Tannehill and Stills weren't with the team come September. Now, Kenny Stills is kind of a guy I was excited about, Dave. A young guy that they paid a significant amount of money for. Devontae Parker is underwhelmed. It sounds like they're trading Jarvis Landry. Everything should be coming up Stills. Why would they be getting rid of him? This is like a prime opportunity for him to succeed right now. I, I, I don't, again, this is one man's opinion or, you know, one website's opinion. I, I, it's just weird to think that they could be getting rid of Stills, too. Well, they're fine. You know, the news article says that they want, they're going to want him to probably restructure, and then whoever hypothesizes that he might possibly just get cut or whatever. Yeah. First of all, can we all agree that this is the worst front office? But maybe behind the Browns. I mean, the Browns, the former Browns. The Colts are not great either. Yeah, that's the, yeah they're, they're owners drunk all the time. He just says, oh, yeah, yeah, go ahead and do it. Um, I don't know, man. <laughs> I agree with you, though. Stills is someone I would be excited about. Yeah. And, you know, they're going to try to get this straight. They're going to trade Landry. Yep. And they're going to cut Stills. DeParker's going to suck. What are they going to do? Who's going to catch passes? Nobody? And they're cutting Julius Thomas, so there goes the tight end. Deion Sims, perhaps? Maybe they move Ryan Tannehill back to his collegiate position of wide receiver? Maybe they should trade for Landry. The Dolphins? Yeah, maybe they should trade him back to themselves. Like, they're the best candidate yeah. to, to, to trade for the only guy, the guy they're trying to trade away. They got the ammo to get, it, to get that done. Total moron. Kenny Stills going at the 1303 in FFPC drafts right now. Right at uh, same spot, actually, same ADP as Colorado State wide receiver rookie Michael Gallup. Going at the same spot as him, so that's interesting. It still, interesting. still, I'd, I'd be Oliver Stills in thirteenth round. I'd rather draft Stills than Michael Gallup. I would too. This in redraft for sure. Free agent running back Isaiah Kroll is not expected to be retained, according to ESPNCleveland.com's Tony Grossi. Uh, he says he believes the uh, Browns' starting running back will be a high draft pick. Dave, when I think high draft pick, I think 101, 104. Hey, the Browns own both those picks. How you need one on quarterback, and it could be Barkley as the 104 there. I wonder, I, I actually wonder if, I think they might take Barkley 101 if they're going to take him. I think that is a mistake. Well, that might be a case. I, well, it's also Cleveland. I mean, if, so. If, so if they it's were, like Juan Barkley no matter what. Well, I mean, I guess they have to project who's going to go two or three, and, but uh, I, those other teams could leapfrog them. They're, they're well aware that they have the four picks yeah. and that they, you know, they have Duke Johnson, but, you know, that they need a, more of a three-down type. But, but when you need a quarterback, and I think Josh was this Josh Norris of Roto World said this, and I apologize if he if he didn't. But ah, the name Josh—that's two of my sucky quarterbacks in this year's class. You have uh, Josh Rosen and Josh Allen. You don't yep, like they're him. both my, my suck list. So do you like Darnold? No. Darnold, your guy? No. Oh, so you like Baker? Baker like, Mayfield, Danny Mueller. I like your year. I like the two Mays. I like Mayfield and Mason Rudolph. And that's how I remember him. What about Lamar Jackson? I'm not really – I haven't watched enough of his stuff, but I'm interested in him because – I saw him crush times, Florida State back-to-back. A lot of times I miss on those running type, you know, dual-threat quarterbacks, yeah. so I think I'm, I might be interested in Lamar Jackson. Uh, Bill Polian, former Colts GM, says the six foot three Lamar Jackson, too short to play the quarterback position. What a dope. Um, okay, so <laughs> let, let's, let's – What do you think of Mayfield, then? Yeah, exactly. So let's get back to um, uh, Kroll here. Yeah. I, I want to talk briefly about the Browns' backfield. I am not at all interested in Isaiah Crowell. No matter what, he they could sign. He could sign like a Chris Ivory to the Jags type deal where they're paying him to be the starter. Remember who was the white Toby Gerhardt? Remember him? 
Sign all that. I remember huge. Jack Hahn drafting once at the 108 in yeah. the Dynasty draft. Yeah, and, and, uh, and like every, they're paying to be their starters. And and you know what? Kroll could get a, a contract like that, and I would have no interest there, in him. There was, like a, there was like a 30 page white running back thread. With, with oh, really? Yeah, yeah. it was pretty funny. Um, so I have no interest in Kroll. Duke Johnson, I think his value is, is I don't want to say it's largely going to stay the same if they use a high pick on a running back, but I think he, he Pitch, will. Fitz Barkley, he's dropping big time. Really? Think so? That, yeah. that Barkley just be out there all the time? Well, I, I, I sure as hell hope so. I don't know. I, I still Why? think they'd find a way to get Duke Johnson going. At, by the way, Duke Johnson's ADP the same as Des Bryant's right now, 5'11". I feel like that's a little early for Duke Johnson. I actually like him as a player. Because of the substantial risk that he's going to get picked off. I, yeah. think, I, I think Barkley's the pick. Barkley at the 112 right now in FFPC drafts. <laughs> well, whoever takes Barkley is going to be using him a lot. Right. right. So, Okay, let's move on and talk about um, the quarterbacks in review, talk about how the quarterbacks finished for the last segment of the show tonight. This is something we always like to do every year is take a look at what, what, we like to do. what went wrong. What, well, you know what? I like to. You always rip on this every year, and every okay. year I still do it. See, at least it's consistent. Yeah, it is consistent. So <laughs> a few talking points here that I want to bring up. Number one quarterback last year, Russell Wilson. Now, uh, he finished head and shoulders above the quarterback two, nearly uh, 55, almost 55 points ahead of Cam Newton at two. You look at Russell Wilson this year, Dave, and this is a guy that is going to have a new offensive coordinator, probably no Jimmy Graham, an aging Doug Baldwin, Paul Richardson's a free agent, uh, Tyler Lockett is, you know, underwhelmed, offensive line still not great, not a good running game, and he's going at the 508 draft. I feel like that's an okay price for him. But even coming off a season like this, I don't know if I'd be pulling the trigger on him in the mid-fifth. That is pretty early. But, you know, it's weird. that So he's the number one quarterback being drafted, or isn't he? No. He's this, last year he finished this. No, I know. But right now he's like... Number two. Okay, behind, behind what? Behind um, um, Mr. Danica Patrick. Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. Going at the 408. <laughs> Russell Wilson going at the 508. Uh, Danica's beard at Rogers. Um, you want to take a guess, by the way, who's going at the 608 as the QB3? Who, do you, who are the other ones you see? You said uh, Rogers is number one. Russell Wilson's two. You know who the number three? Uh, Brady? Nope, he's number four. Uh, Breeze? No, this is a much younger guy. Okay, Watson or Wentz? It is Watson. Watson. Watson going at the 608, yeah. Yeah, all right. Carson Wentz is the number five, coincidentally, at the 706. Go ahead, Russell Wilson point that you're going to make. You know, I I still like Russell Wilson. I I, I feel like last year he was getting drafted coming off of the year that he, you know, it was just not as good. Coming off injuries. Yeah. In like the sixth or seventh. I mean, it's not like you're paying that much more of a price for last year's production. All the points you make are actually pretty good, though. I mean, I think the the arrow is kind of pointed downward. His division is tough. He's got, you know, he's got the up-and-coming Niners, and he still has to deal with the Rams. Um, but, you know, I just love his talent. I mean, like, he's a great running quarterback. And I do think, you know, I'm going to toot our horn a little bit on this. Okay. I, think we were, I think we were definitely on Russell Wilson last year heading into the season. I thought we thought he was a good guy to draft. And I see there's another thing to be, that's going to be talked about is, um, is Kirk Cousins. I thought, we, yeah. I thought we, you know, kind of didn't mind him at all either. Not only did we not mind him, I was actually too high on Kirk Cousins. <laughs> I, I said he'd be the number one quarterback oh, right. last year. I mean, I remember laughing at you about that. Yeah. I still like him. I, mean, I, I said he'd be the number one fantasy quarterback. He was number four, which, you know, I, I'll give myself a light tap on the back That's for pretty, that. That's still pretty good. Um, so Kirk Cousins uh, finishes his quarterback four, almost past um, uh, Brady and Newton for, for number two. 
He right now, Dave, is going at the 907. He is teamless right now, going behind the likes of Matthew <laughs> Stafford. Andrew freaking Luck is going in front of him right now. Hey, Luck's supposed to be throwing. Drew Brees with weighted footballs. Did you see that? What is what? What's the reasoning behind that? Like, hey, this guy's shoulders all messed up. Let's give him a football. Hell no, let's give him a super heavy football and have him throw that around. I don't. You know, I don't. I mean, makes, I don't. I totally agree with you. What? Who is the therapist that's doing that? Like, uh, this, this, this. Maybe is we like, can get him to tear it again. He's like, hey, listen, he's doing really good at these weighted footballs. Can we send him out to California and have him start chopping some of those giant sequoias down? <laughs> Just with that one bad shoulder. Andrew, we're going to give you nerf balls, but you have to throw really, really fast. Yeah. Really fast. Um, and, and, like, almost to the point where it's hurting. Then push yourself a little bit further. Torque it. Torque yeah, it. exactly. So it's so <laughs> ridiculous. Okay, so this year, Kirk Cousins is going at the 907 right now in drafts as the QB10. Dave, I think this is too low. Too low for Kirk Cousins right now. Well, you're, you're, right now you're getting, a, you're getting a discount because of the uncertainty. But, you know, there's, most of the landing spots that are being bandied about – I mean, you know, the Jets may not be the best one or whatever, no. but, you know, the Broncos, I mean, that would be a Yeah, great that's where I think he is going to sign. That'd be, that'd that, be that's my prediction right now. Yeah, so, and there's a couple other ones. So, I, I think that, you know, I, I think he, there's, he's a better, you know, he kind of runs the, the ship here. Yeah. He's a smart guy. He's been getting paid on a year-by-year basis, not getting hurt, getting like 20s and 30s millions of dollars a year. Yeah. He's going to make the right decision. I trust Kirk Cousins. He's one of them. I watched an article about how he prepares. He is probably the best prepared quarterback in the NFL. Really? Yeah, he does all sorts of weird crap just to optimize his game. Yeah, weird crap that optimizes our game. I don't know, he lives in a hyperbaric chamber, he's getting enemas every other day. I don't know what he's doing, but it's something good. Denver had the opportunity to save some cap space and cut Demarius Thomas or Emmanuel Sanders or offer them to agree to restructured contracts. They chose not to to this point, and I think the whole reason for that is to say, hey, look, you could sign with the Jets. They have Robbie Anderson and a banged-up Quincy Inunua, or you could come to Denver where we have a studly defense backed up with uh, Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders, like two proven receivers, um, and, and you could just be the missing link. Well, the, deep, with a quality defense, they're an instant Super Bowl contender with a good quarterback. AFC, right? AFC is easier. In my opinion, I think the AFC, it's easier to get to the Super Bowl right now than it is in the NFC. Uh, I don't know. Maybe. 50-50 chances. Okay. <laughs> I don't have to agree. I don't want to go through the whole... Like, Drop down to... Uh, that's fine. Drop down to number six and number seven. Two surprises here. Guys that were drafted as backups or not at all in number six's case. That's Alex Smith. And number seven on this list, Phillip Rivers. Their ability to repeat what they did last year, Dave. Alex Smith gets to enjoy the weapons that uh, Kirk Cousins had at his disposal last year. Uh, Josh Doxson, Jameson Crowder, um, you know, Jordan Reed, for, for whatever it's worth. Um, <laughs> Alex Smith goes there. And uh, Phil, I know, it's terrible. Philip Rivers will have um, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Tyrell Williams, Hunter Henry, Antonio Gates, Melvin Gordon, a lot of weapons there. I can't believe Gates is coming back so annoying. So it's, it's so crazy. Oh, by the way, um, uh, again, the other thing I want to uh, say on the show is uh, about the show that we did uh, yesterday, the Appleton Trophy Fantasy Football Show. The, I don't know where we got these notes when we were talking about potential free agents, but the guy who was writing the notes about Antonio Gates said watching him move on the field is like watching honey squeeze out of a bottle. He oozes downfield. Yeah, he just oozes downfield. Um, okay, so you look at these guys, Alex Smith and Phillip Rivers. They're not – I'll just look at their ADPs right now. I, I bet they're way lower. I bet, I bet they probably haven't 
moved, in all honesty, from where they were last year. Alex, okay, Alex Smith is at the 10-11, so that's a little bit high. 10, uh, 10th, was it? The, ten, the uh, end of the 10th round. So what, 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 what number of quarterbacks is he being taken? Oh, I'm oh, sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, okay. You know what? I have to count. And I wish. You're good. You're good at counting. Go ahead. Phillip Rivers is, is going ahead of him at the 10-04. This will make great radio for you to count. So there is 1, 2, 3, 4, <laughs> 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16. Oh, my God. 19, so he's a quarterback 20. Alex Are you Smith serious? Right yeah. So he's quarterback 20. I have, let me count. You like make 18. your point. I'm going to count again. Rivers is like 18? Good gracious. I mean, I know that this, again, it shows you the, the just the utter craziness. There's, there's so many quarterbacks available. No, you, I screwed up. I'm sorry. Phillip Rivers is 14. Nevertheless, that's still pretty low. And Smith is like 16. 18 for 18. Alex Smith. All right. 14-18, so they both go in that second QB run, right? Yeah. Like you're looking at... You're, oh, QB's going to the 10th. You're looking at... Um, we'll start it with... They, they, it, Matthew Stafford actually kind of leads this off, Dave, at the 905, <laughs> And then you have Kirk Cousins, Jimmy Garoppolo, Ben Roethlisberger, Jared Goff, uh, Dak Prescott, Phillip Rivers, Jameis Winston, Matt Ryan, Marcus Mariota... Alex Smith, Derek Carr, Patrick Mahomes, essentially all those guys are going by the end of the tenth round. So you're looking at that's a round, craziest, round and a half story, of all those of all those quarterbacks there. So that's, that's what, in everybody's think, these are best balls, so everybody's kinda of gobbling them up there because right, you know, because yeah, yeah. of the runs. Right. Um but um but you look at uh, th- there's a lot of different um ways to go there, but Phillip Rivers and Alex Smith, they're pretty super solid. So I think what you do in redraft is like you were just saying. So now you in redraft, if you were doing this like say in a football guys tournament or a main event. You take your first quarterback in like the tenth, right? At the earliest, right? If, you know, if you want, if you're in a way. But then you, I think you could grab another one of these guys that's going also in the tenth, eleventh in best ball in like the fourteenth, because they will fall. I mean, you will have like quarterback twenty, twenty one, twenty two. So a couple of guys won't even take a backup, and then you know maybe someone like the Rodgers guy or the Breeze guy will take somebody in the nineteenth round. I think you go tenth round, fourteenth round, and look at all those. Are you talking about for best ball? No, for your first redraft. Redraft. Okay. Yeah, so like, yeah. just wait on your second guy. You can still get one of yeah. the studs. Yep. Well, um, one of the you know possible studs. Right. Exactly. Uh, so you have the opportunity, Dave, if you were going to take Carson Wentz or Deshaun Watson. Carson Wentz, who finished eighth at quarterback last year. Deshaun Watson obviously uh, finished at twenty seventh, but that was he played like four games and that was it. Um, Watson going super super high right now, definitely being drafted on the high end of the spectrum. 608, or you could wait to the 707 and take Carson Wentz. If you're dead set on drafting one of those young quarterbacks, which one are you taking? I'm taking Watson. Yeah, I think. Let me explain. The uh, Wentz's injury, injury was really bad. Wentz's injury was bad, and it happened late. Uh, right. Watson's was earlier, and granted, yeah. he's a little bit different. He's a different quarterback. And he didn't have all the ligaments. ligaments yeah, I just feel, yeah, I don't. I feel like Wentz was. And plus, you still have Foles. I have a feeling they're going to keep Foles, and Wentz will. Either not come back next year, or struggle to come back next year, or come back in week ten, or you know, some something. They have no reason. It's a good team. Foles is a really good quarterback. They have no reason to rush him back, and I think they're keeping Foles. That's my opinion. I want to talk about mid-tier pairings because a lot of people like to do that in um, in, in fantasy drafts, and obviously we only have this best ball data, uh, which is skewed a little bit when you get to this area, um, as opposed to redraft. But Dave, you could easily. If this is the way it's going to go this year, I'm fine with not drafting a quarterback till the ninth round again, and you could get 
Jimmy Garoppolo and Philip Rivers. You could get Ben Roethlisberger and Jameis Winston. You could get Jared Goff and Marcus Mario. There's a zillion different ways. You could get Kirk Cousins and Dak Prescott if you wanted. Yeah. Did we just? Or is this the same conversation? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I feel like we just talked about. Yeah. Well, I, I think the the point. I, I I guess I'm seconding your point here because there's a lot of different combinations you could get. Um, here's and to sort of put a bow on the quarterbacks and, and we'll move on. This was one of the most striking things, and I think I made a note of it on your sheet. I felt like Dak Prescott had an awesome 2016, flat out killed it, crushed it, whatever, however you want to say it. And then in 2017, regressed, did not have as good a year. That's the, that, was a, that was a narrative, yes. That not only is, well, that was just my personal opinion. That's, that's just the way I felt about it. Right. I was he shocked. Seen that way. Yeah, I was shocked that both years he finished as the QB 10. Both years, he was the QB 10. You want to rip on what he did last year, throw him under the bus in 2016. You want to praise him for 2016, bow down before his 2017 performance because they were the exact same. And like it's separated by like eight or nine points, too. I feel like it's because Prescott, he started out the year pretty good, right? And then he kind of tailed off at the end. He did. He had his share of clunkers. And I, I think that it, it actually goes back to like psychology. People. They, they look, you know, you know why you go to the dentist and they give you a lollipop when you leave? Even for you as an adult, probably you get those lollipops. I do not. They want you to have a good experience when you leave so you don't think about the badness that happened the whole time you're there. Yeah. It's a psycholo- psychological thing. Yeah. You know, people are psyching themselves out of Prescott because he sucked early. So now, he's going to keep sucking. So now, here's what I think. Phrasing. Here's, here's what I think is going to happen this year. <laughs> um, he had yeah, a good one. <laughs> so right now, he is being drafted, Dave, as the... Now, this is a great radio. Terrible. Four, <laughs> QB 14. You know what that makes him? A value. A value. <laughs> since he's going to finish as the QB 10. Obviously, he's going to finish exactly the same. <laughs> exactly. I, he's the most consistent man in the business, <laughs> unlike this podcast, which mercifully has now come to an end. You know, does have 180 points off of uh, the right quadrant, as always, yeah, running exactly. nine routes the whole game. I'm, uh, I'm debating you know, where I'm at with Des Bryant right now. I sent out a bunch of trade offers, and I heard back from a few people. Trying to, trying to deal him? I'm trying to deal him. I'm at the point right now where I, I'm, I'm considering dealing him for a 2019 second rounder. <laughs> I haven't been able to pull the trigger on that. I have a guy who's interested. I mean, come on. I'm not going to say who, but I have a guy interested in, in That's I told him, I said, if you get anything from like the 201 to 204, if you're able to acquire it, I, you let me know because I will trade you Des Bryant straight up. He's like, I will make that happen. All right. So he is, he's down for that. Optimist, he's working on it. It's not optimist. No, optimist, I've already, I've already acquired all his draft picks and <laughs> subsequently traded him. That's so funny. So that, that's what I'm looking at right now. I'm just, I'm down on Des big time. Uh, I want to thank uh, Dwayne McFarland, the guy I'm not down on, for uh, his contributions tonight. Great stuff from him. I want to thank Dave Gerzak, the FFPC. Rob our uh, mutual friend and the producer and Bryce, audio engineer, of course, each and every one of you for staying, uh, listening to this podcast tonight. Thank you so much. Happy birthday goes out oh, thank you. to Fester. Oh, right. John Kleinfelter celebrating his 28th birthday today. 28th? 28th anniversary of some birthday of his. <laughs> so happy birthday, Fester. All right, Fester. Long time FFPC uh, player there. So that's awesome that uh, he is celebrating today. Uh, FFPC best ball multi-league champ from 2017 and Rotoviz contributor Joe Pano at Pano on Twitter. He will be our guest on the show next week. It's going to be uh, a great best ball show for those of you who are drafting or about to draft. 
Look for those new dynasties at myfbc.com slash dynasty coming up this weekend. Auto register for those best balls coming up next week as well at myfbc.com. Thanks. Thanks so much for listening. Your weekend officially starts This has now. been another episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by myffpc.com that was broadcast live and heard around the world. Eric and Dave will be back next week with more analysis, interviews, and advice from a guest much smarter than they are. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk with you again next week. Big dog, stay on the porch. Blow the whistle. Blow the whistle. Blow the whistle. Blow the whistle. Where you get that from? So I don't understand this. So if you're talking about a guy who, like, you're like, oh, hey, Balky, uh, yeah, Dwayne McFarlane, he, he drafts. He drafts a ton of those best ball. Yeah, best ball teams. <laughs> but, no, but, but by your, your, your non-pluralization of it, it should just be understood that it's plural. You don't say a bunch, a bunch of those best ball. He, he plays a lot of best ball. <laughs> yeah, but that's not – you can't, you can't have it both ways is my point. Like you can't just be like, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hack off the S here and it'll well, count. It's a, it's a best ball league. It's an adjective. It's a dual word adjective. Best so I ball. can't even say best balls anymore. Ball the whole, is not the noun. Best ball is the adjective to describe the league. The whole reason I wanted to change Look, we have to figure out if it's balls is a noun or balls or ball is part of the adjective best ball. <laughs> no, best is the adjective. It's the modifier of ball. Yeah, but it's the best ball league. It's like best ball hyphen. There's no hyphen. There wouldn't be a hyphen. There should not be a hyphen in that, for sure. <laughs> we have a lot right, of stuff to, to sort out here. I'm going to go to a, you know, a professor of linguistics, and we'll figure it out. And my brother took a lot of master's classes for linguistics at NC State. Yeah, we, we, could, yeah, we could ask uh, Kermit, too. He, I mean, oh, he's yeah. He would, he he's got advice. some Cornell connections. Yeah, tell me get an English professor All right. on All the right. best balls. We have, a lot, we have our work cut out for you, ladies and gentlemen. We will not let you down. Thanks for listening. <laughs>